Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis from the Chiquis and Chill podcast. State Farm apoya con orgullo este podcast and all the storytellers on the My Cultura podcast network. They value nuestra familia as much as we do, and that's why they're offering surprisingly great rates. So you don't have to give up on doing what you love. With State Farm, you'll help protect what's important to you. Together, we're committed to elevating the Latino experience. It's our time to be heard about so many topics. Y con el apoyo de State Farm, nuestras voces can speak about mental health, familia, financial literacy, body positivity, y mucho más. State Farm supports our vision, our communities, our neighborhoods, y nuestra gente. Tus seres queridos son tan importantes para ellos como lo son para ti. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. State Farm, a proud sponsor of the My Cultura Podcast Network. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I am 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Big shout-out to everybody listening on 1210 WPHT in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, and I want you to give me a shout-out, check me out, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Parler, Getter, you name it, we're on there, Truth Social, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S at the end, and uh, for Friday was International Waffle Day. I'm going to get to that a little bit later because I think it's an interesting story of how we got there. I didn't even know we had an International Waffle Day. But uh, speaking of waffles and speaking of food, which I tend to think of a lot, I, I like to eat. I'm a foodie. Like I like to say, OG, originally gordito. That's me. I want to talk about food shortages in a minute because Biden brought those up at his press conference in Brussels. He went to Brussels. He's back from Brussels. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's going on with Ginny Thomas uh, and her text messages that have been leaked to the media. And, of course, we're going to talk about the big story of the week, the Supreme Court nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson. So we're going to talk about that. And New Jersey Senator uh, Booker's uh, soliloquy, you know, playing the violin was the only thing he didn't do uh, during his questioning <laughs> of, of Judge Jackson, which was more like a praise fest. But you'll get to hear about that. Plus, we're going to hear what, you know, uh, some parents have to say about what's going on in the culture wars and the, the battle against the wokeness. Or as one guest I had on the show said, uh, the the woke industrial complex. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. But right now I want to talk about Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, Joe El Baboso Biden, he's uh, always doing what he does, right? He, you know, he likes to say things like, well, you know, uh, if you don't know if you're voting for me, if you're voting for Trump, uh, then, then you ain't black. I mean, he, he gets upset and he'll say just about anything to get his way in many ways, like a little kid. But I'm not trying to minimize him that way. I have so many other ways that I could minimize him. But I am making the point that he says one thing and he means another. So he gets pressed by a reporter that's asking him, hey, President Biden, I want to know what's going on with your sanctions because you keep putting new sanctions. But you said those were to deter him from going to war. Now he's at war. You're trying to deter him from continuing the war. But he seems to be continuing the wars. It's 30 days plus now. So what's going on? And of course, Biden responds, listen, I don't know why you keep saying that. I never meant to deter anything. That's not what sanctions are for. Listen to this. Sir, deterrence didn't work. 
What makes you think Vladimir Putin will alter course based on the action you've taken today? Let's get something straight. You remember, if you covered me from the very beginning, I did not say that, in fact, the sanctions would deter him. Sanctions never deter. You keep talking about that. Sanctions never deter. The maintenance of sanctions, the maintenance of sanctions, the increasing the pain and the demonstration why I asked for this NATO meeting today is to be sure that after a month we will sustain what we're doing, not just next month, the following month, but for the remainder of this entire year. That's what will stop him. Do you believe the actions today will have an impact on making Russia change course in Ukraine? That's not what I said. You, you're, you're playing a game with me. I know. The answer is no. I think what happens is we have to demonstrate the purpose, the single most important thing is for us to stay unified and the world continue to focus on what a brute this guy is and all the innocent people's lives are being lost and ruined and what's going on. That's the important thing. But look, if you're Putin and you think that the that Europe is going to crack in a month or six weeks or two months, why not? You, they can take anything for another month, but we have to demonstrate. The reason I asked for the meeting, we have to stay fully, totally, thoroughly united. So he wants to keep the pressure on with the sanctions. But again, the sanctions were not designed to stop anybody from doing anything. They're just designed for maintenance. Right now, here's a little montage of Biden saying the exact opposite just about a month and a half ago. Listen to this. Purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. The purpose of the sanctions in the first instance is to try to deter Russia from going to war. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. They're meant to prevent and deter a large-scale invasion. We want them to have a deterrent effect. The sanctions are designed in the first instance to try to deter Russia from taking further aggression. As well as our efforts to uh, both try to deter Russia uh, through sanctions. If you pull the trigger on that deterrent, well, then it doesn't exist anymore as a deterrent. Okay, so I guess Joe Biden didn't get the memo from his own team because apparently he thinks this isn't about that. But what it is about is food shortages because the shortage of food will not go unnoticed. Now, listen, there's obviously going to be a shortage of anything when you put sanctions in place. We saw this when Trump put the tariffs on a lot of different things from a lot of different places, right? The the Canadian steel in the beginning and and Canadian lumber. And all of a sudden, boom, there was scarcity with all those proje- uh, products because that's kind of how economics works. It's supply and demand. So it only makes sense that if you put sanctions or have a war that's going on between two of the world's uh, largest wheat producers that you're going to have some wheat shortages. And given that we eat so much wheat, unless you're gluten free and you don't eat wheat, You're eating wheat. So he explains this in his press conference, which to me is it makes all the sense in the world. But the political impact here is that you shouldn't have shortages of anything that are really healthy for people, you know, food, uh, subsistence, et cetera. (laughs) You don't want to have a shortage of that on your watch. But listen to Joe El Baboso Biden. Check this out. Can you say whether uh, the conversation today turned to the subject of food shortages and what the U.S. will do to address wheat shortages in particular as a result of this war? With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And uh, and it's going to be real. The, The price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example, just give you one example. 
But we had a long discussion uh, in the G7 with uh, um, the uh, with both uh, the United States, which has a, a significant, the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major, major producer. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food, food shortages. And in addition to that, we talked about uh, urging all the European countries and everyone else to end trade restrictions on, on sending uh, limitations on sending food abroad. And so we are in the process of working out with our European friends what it would be, what it would take to help alleviate the concerns relative to uh, food shortages. We also talked about a significant major U.S. investment, among others, in terms of providing for the need for humanitarian assistance, including food, as we move forward. Well, duh, Mr. President. That's exactly how it works. And I just explained that. Simple Economics 101. The, the goal to be a successful manager here, kind of like Trump did, is to make sure you don't run into these problems, right? For years, people were telling me, oh, you know, this summer, you're not going to have any beef for those hamburgers. It's not going to be any hot dogs for your 4th of July barbecue. And I would say, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you're wrong. And every year that Trump was in office, I was right. So now they write to me the other day and they say, hey, listen, you know, I've been, I was just three years too early on my prediction but you're still not going to have that beef that you want for your hamburgers this summer. And I said, well, obviously, we may not have it this summer because we don't have Trump anymore. And Trump's job was to maintain the status quo and grow the economy. Biden has been doing the exact opposite, almost as if he's working for the bad guys. Now, listen, I know there's people out there. He's compromised. There's blackmail. There's Hunter Biden, the biolabs, the biolabs. Oh, my goodness. Right. Everybody wants to talk about that stuff. And there's an article on that. I'll get into it a little bit. You probably won't like my opinion on it, but I'll talk about it anyway. But my point is this stuff is known and it's your job as the commander in chief to make sure that we don't end up in a place where we don't have things. Right. It's Ukraine. Ukraine's flag literally symbolizes that. The blue on the top, the gold on the bottom. It signifies the sky and fields of wheat. So if you know that that's what they're, they're known for and what they do and they're the, large, the largest or the world's largest uh, wheat supplier, you got to take that into account and to, into consideration when you're making your plans and doing what you do, right? Instead of saying, oh, let's let them fight it out. Speaking of letting him fight it out, I, I was coming into this show today saying, I'm not going to talk about Ukraine and Russia and Putin, and I'm done with that. Because I really, it's, it's, it's such a heavy topic. But I can't help but think that people are continuing to buy into the craziness. When in life have you ever heard somebody say, oh, you know what? It's because they're siblings. You just got to let them fight it out. Don't get involved. Okay, you've heard that. When it's two brothers fighting, when it's two sisters fighting. But you don't say that about countries. But somebody called yesterday and said, you know what? These are siblings. They have to work out their stuff. We can't get involved. And I'm thinking, do you even believe what you're saying yourself? A nuclear sibling versus the other smaller sibling the size of Texas? Just because you want to say the guy dressed in heels and he's a comedian and he likes Trudeau and this and that and he could be the biggest radical leftist ever. Doesn't mean you just sit there and let the bad guy become a stronger bad guy and get more land in the process. It makes no sense, and it doesn't help America. And this is one of those fundamental things. I grew up in the America where Reagan was the president, where he took on the Soviet Union, didn't allow them to grow, and reversed it. He stopped communism in its tracks. 
He made sure that the United States was the guy walking around quietly holding a big stick with military bases all over this globe. So for everybody that's saying, look, if they come here, I'm fighting. Good for you. Then what's the point of having these bases abroad? Hmm. Head scratcher, right? We're going to talk about some other head scratchers a little bit later. But I want to get to all of that stuff. And I want to ask you a question about the Supreme Court in the next segment. But first, we're going to talk about Biolabs right after this. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. What up, what up? It's Dramos from the Life as a Gringo podcast. And y'all already know, food has the power to bring people together. Whether it's takeout for two or watching the season finale of your favorite show or going to a barbecue with your peoples, both go great with an ice-cold Coca-Cola by your side. And if you can't cook, chips and dip work, especially as you listen to your go-to podcast. At Michael Tura, we know familia, friends, and community matter. That's why we aim to elevate Latino voices. So share the magic of our podcast with your friends and add a Coca-Cola to the mix. Because there's magic when we eat together. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows, like Life is a Gringo, available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to talk about the biolabs, good old Hunter Biden's biolabs. That's right, I said Hunter Biden's biolabs because... The uh, post-millennial, no, excuse me, the National Pulse has published a story as an exclusive, and I'm going to give you a, a tidbit on it. It's a pretty long article, but it's interesting, and it doesn't mean I've changed my position on Biolabs. Uh, it just means that they are two succinct matters. But listen to this headline from the National Pulse. Check it out. Exclusive. Hunter Biden biofirm partnered with Ukrainian researchers isolating deadly pathogens using funds from Obama's Defense Department. An investment firm directed by President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, was a leading financial backer of a pandemic tracking and response firm that collaborated on identifying and isolating deadly pathogens in Ukrainian laboratories, receiving funds from the Obama administration's Department of Defense in the process. And this is according to an exclusive from the National Pulse. The spinoff of his main company, Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, RSTP, it's a subsidiary of Hunter Biden 
and Christopher Hines's Rosemont Capital. Both Biden and Hines are managing directors there. Hines is the stepson of former U.S. Secretary of State and current climate czar Senator John Kerry, former Senator John Kerry. Now, amongst the companies listed on the archive versions of the RSTP portfolio is Metabiota. I think I'm saying that right. Metabiota, M-E-T-A-B-I-O-T-A. I'm probably messing that up. But anyway, they are an ostensibly based San Francisco company that purports to detect, track, and analyze emerging infectious diseases. Financial reports reveal that RSTP led the company's first round of funding in 2015, four years before Zelensky was elected, by the way, which amounted to $30 million. Former managing director and co-founder of RSTP, Neil Callahan, a name that also appears many times on Hunter Biden's hard drive, sits on Metabiota's board of advisors alongside former Clinton official Rob Walker, who is discussed in another unearthed Hunter Biden hard drive email, reaching out to the Obama Department of Defense with regard to the company Metabiota. So these biolabs, again, they predate Zelensky's tenure. And unless you want to make the argument that Zelensky was some sort of a regular within the government establishment, uh, I wouldn't buy it because the guy's made a bunch of money being an actor or whatever. Now, he might have had an underworld past and been engaged in corruption like a lot of people in Ukraine are. It's almost like their national pastime. I get it. But I, I just don't see the, the correlation. I know that when Trump needed Zelensky and said, hey, look, tell these people that what we talked about was on the up and up and I wasn't holding this thing over your head. He said, yeah, Trump is right. He wasn't holding this thing over my head and he had Trump's back. So I tend to take things as they are. I'm not going to go out and make up too many stories and speculate and speculate and create my own truth because I don't like to create my own truth. I prefer to really just look at the truth. But I get it. Some people love that. They love to say, oh, if this means this, then it really means that. And if that's your thing, go for it, you know. I'm not a fortune teller. Good luck if you are. But I want to talk about Ginny Thomas because you don't need to be a fortune teller to know what's going on with Ginny Thomas. Now, of course, Ginny Thomas, Virginia Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, is being beat up all over the media. And I'm guessing to take a little bit of the heat off of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. I'm not sure if that's a soft J or a hard J, so it might be Katanji. I don't know. Nobody's told me. So I'm going to go with Katanji. But Ginny Thomas. She's a conservative activist. She's married to Clarence Thomas, and she urged a White House official, according to the Washington Examiner, to, quote unquote, release the Kraken. (laughs) That's a quote from her text messages. And these were the messages sent between Jenny Thomas and former White House chief of staff Mark Meadows. They were obtained by the House committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot showing multiple exchanges about overturning the 2020 election. It's a comma, but I'm going to put a period there because there's a bunch of things like that on my phone, not necessarily to Mark Meadows, but to anybody else that would listen because this was a cause for concern. I don't get it, but let's continue. Including text messages that voiced support for lawyer Sidney Powell to become the lead and the face of former President Donald Trump's legal team in challenging the results. It goes on. Sidney Powell and improved coordination will now help the cavalry come and expose the fraud and save America, according to another text message from Ginny Thomas. This is um, dated November 13th, 2020, and that's according to the Washington Post. Now, Powell, uh, she's been getting sued and suing, and she won one case, and they dropped another case, and now they're filing another case. She became famous for this saying, release the Kraken, referring to a uh, big sea monster. Now, others think that the Kraken was something other than a big sea monster, that it was some sort of code name for something, and it very well may have been. But she made that comment alongside 
Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and Jenna Ellis, the campaign's attorney, during a big uh, press conference that they had on November 19th of 2020 at the RNC, the Republican National Committee. So she, you know, was infamous, internet famous very, very quickly because of uh, release the Kraken comment. And I do remember that stuff. And it was pretty funny at the time. Anyway, you know, funny about the Kraken, not funny what happened to, to the election. Anyway, she says that she was all over the place. She's a conservative activist. She went to January 6th. She's been on the forefront of all this. And I know that she has. Uh, I I know that Ginny Thomas has been involved in in conservative activism for a long time. So I always like to give it a test. I put everything in perspective and I think, all right, let's change the characters. Instead of Trump being in the White House, let's put Obama in the White House. Obama's uh, chief of staff, uh, Rahm Emanuel, right? So let's just say Rahm Emanuel gets a text from, I don't know, the the spouse of one of the Democrats on SCOTUS. How would we feel and how would we react, especially if they're saying release the Kraken or something like that? I tend to think that the ire from the left is probably fair. It's probably fair ire. I also tend to think that she has every right, if those are her friends, and she has those connections. You know, when I find something crazy, you know, I'll shoot it over to Mark Levin and I'll be like, oh, check this out. Can you believe that? And, you know, he'll say something funny or clever, or witty or nothing at all if he's busy and he can't get back to me. So my point is that that is uh, one of those things you really got to think through. Now, do I think she said anything egregious in this? No. People are saying that because Clarence Thomas voted to to not publish these documents and her texts were a part of those documents, that he should have recused himself. And I guess on its face, that may make sense to some people. I think there's more to that than meets the eye. You only have nine Supreme Court justices, each of them having a vote. So to recuse yourself really puts you in a in a predicament. Now, if you're saying, but Rich, are you really going to put your ethics to the side just because you need my vote? No, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that it's not an uncommon occurrence for elected officials to be friendly with their colleagues and other people that live in Washington or in whatever place you're talking about. You know, I worked in Trenton, the state capital of New Jersey for a while in uh, the governor's administration, and we all knew each other. And I worked with a girl whose husband was the editor of the big Trenton newspaper. So, I mean, is that some sort of thing where she can't have a job in the government and we can't, you know, go to a dinner party at her house or whatever? That's my point. People talk. People have freedom. People have liberty to do these things. You can say whatever you want. So I think, yeah, I think it's fair that she says what she wants and does what she wants. The question is, was uh, Clarence Thomas in the wrong? And I think no, because just because your wife may have had a political opinion and shared it with a friend of hers doesn't necessarily mean that he's no longer partial. Just because you're married to somebody doesn't mean that you're automatically impacted. It wasn't like he had um, you know, access to the winning lotto numbers and she was the winner of the lottery. It wasn't like that at all. He was doing what justices do, interpreting the law through the lens of the Constitution and made a decision. And I think he made the right one and the other ones made the wrong ones. And he was one of the very few that were fighting for the integrity of the 2020 election. So kudos to Clarence Thomas, in my opinion, kudos to Jeannie Thomas, in my opinion, for doing everything they could to save America, to help America, because we all know America's in a bad place. And it's interesting that we talk about this now at this point in history 
where we realize, you know what, there's a lot at stake and we're really in bad shape. And a lot of people are looking back at Biden and having buyer's remorse. So I think that's one of those things that just didn't go right. Just like when um, President Obama said, if you want to keep your doctor, you can. That didn't go over well either, right? People didn't buy that then. They don't buy it now. And that's why people are always looking for new alternatives in health insurance. You've got lobbyists fighting to make sure that you won't have competition because that's what this game has become, sadly. But with crowd health, and it's not insurance, crowd health is crowdfunding health care for members. I think it's a revolutionary idea. You can see any doctor you want. You pay the first 500 bucks and then you submit your bills from there. The crowd health community takes care of the rest. No doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, no surprises. Crowd health is a new way to pay for health care. And unlike insurance, crowd health succeeds by keeping its members happy, not by driving up the price. It totally reverses the vicious incentives that got the healthcare system into the mess it's in in the first place. So stop paying health insurance companies your hard-earned dollars. Go to joincrowdhealth.com right now and experience freedom from health insurance. Joincrowdhealth.com. You can get your first six months if you go there right now and use code THISISAMERICA. You get it for just 99 bucks a month. That's almost 50% off the regular price and a lot less than a high-deductible health care plan. Just go to joincrowdhealth.com and use, again, the promo code THISISAMERICA when you sign up. This is America. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code THISISAMERICA. Now, straight ahead, I want to talk about the question of the day on Just Facts. Just Facts website is great, justfacts.com. I recommend going to justfacts.com slash rich so that you could get the uh, information, the research papers, everything they put out, you could get it sent to you for free. Just go there and sign up. But their question of the day, have any of the U.S. Supreme Court justices appointed by Democrats in the last 30 years Have they ever ruled that the Second Amendment's right is a right of the people to keep and bear arms? Now, I figured it's got to be a trick question. So I know what answer I'm going to pick, but the options are yes and no. And again, that question on the other side of the break. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. At Baker's, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. And now shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump 
thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, everybody, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. Thank you for listening on 1210 WPHT. Everybody listening on your streaming applications, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Now, this weekend, the question of the day is this one from JustFacts.com. Have any of the U.S. Supreme Court justices appointed by Democrats in the last 30 years ruled that the Second Amendment is actually a right of the people? And I put no, that they've never ruled that. And guess what? Ding, ding, ding. I am correct. And if you joined me in answering yes to that answer, you were also correct. And I will tweet this out so that you guys can uh, share it with your friends and whatnot and read all of the history. But 80% of the people that answered this question also got it right. So I'd love to know how you do. Let me know. Tag at Real Just Facts in your uh, commentary with me, at Rich Valdez with an S. And I want to talk about the Supreme Court, because that's what we're talking about right now, about their justices and their decisions on Second Amendment. But I don't want to talk about the Second Amendment. I want to talk about Katanji Brown Jackson. She's been in the hot seat all week, and you've heard that. You've seen it on social media. So many funny things. I mean, there was, what's the definition of woman? And she couldn't identify that. There was her back and forth with Senator Lindsey Graham, which I thought was pretty good. We're going to listen to that. There was the soliloquy, everything minus the violins from New Jersey's uh, uh, junior senator, Cory Booker. And again, Booker's somebody that I, I know, I respect, I, I, I like him as a person. I think he's fantastic. His politics you know, have drifted further to the left since he became uh, mayor of Newark initially. But it was a very, um, I'm going to say comical exchange that, that we heard because I understand as a person of color myself, right? BIPOC is what they call us, black indigenous person of color. If you're Hispanic, you fall into that. And being your liberty-loving Latino amigo, I happen to be a BIPOC individual, a black indigenous person of color. I just think it's so funny that we have all these acronyms. That's why I say that. I like to consider myself an American or even an American of uh, Hispanic heritage, if you will. But Booker's commentary didn't fall on deaf ears with me. I did understand what he was saying, and I do realize that there are people, whether it's people of color or women or certain people of certain ethnicities. You know, I once volunteered with the police department in Nutley, New Jersey, and at the time, the public safety director was a guy named Carmen Orecchio. He was Senate president in New Jersey for a while, and he also was acting governor for a little bit way back in the day. God rest his soul. I think he's, uh, he's been departed for a while now. But something he told me on a lunch that we had once was how being an Italian person, how poorly he was treated in Belleville and Newark and in Nutley during his time coming up, in particular at private Catholic schools. And he said that people, namely back then it was the Irish, from the story that he gave me, treated him. He said they treated the blacks better than they treated us in that time. Again, I wasn't there, but I thought, wow, I'd never heard such a thing. Then I learned later on through history and friends and people I'd met that also told me about the lynching of Italian-Americans and things like that. So I do realize when you have someone from an ethnicity that you espouse or you share with a group and they make a large achievement, there's a sense of pride there for whatever reason, right? Whether it's someone in your own family or somebody that you see as extended family because they're also sharing in something with you, whether it's being black, whether it's being Hispanic, whether it's being Italian, whatever. 
So my point is not necessarily the way I approach things, but I totally understand it. And I understood why he was beaming with pride, but I also understood politically speaking, this was all a show. He didn't use his uh, 10 minutes of time to ask questions on behalf of his constituents in the state of New Jersey to find out if this woman would actually be a good jurist. That wasn't what happened. Instead, what happened was he decided to just sing her a song. And like I said, everything except the violins. (laughs) Listen to this. You got here how every black woman in America who's gotten anywhere has done by being (laughs) like Ginger Rogers said. I did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in heels. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm just sitting here saying nobody's stealing my joy. Nobody's going to make me angry, especially not people that are called in a conservative magazine demagogic for what they're bringing up that just doesn't hold water. I'm not going to let my joy be stolen because I know you and I, we appreciate something that we get that a lot of my colleagues don't. I know Tim Scott does. Now, I'm just going to interrupt here to say he's literally got his arms folded. He's got a grin like like a like a little kid with five dollars in a candy store. He is so overjoyed. And I think to myself, what is the purpose of this? But for pandering, but for giving the news clip that I'm seeing all over the media when they should be talking about the stuff that we're about to talk about, like why she's been so easy on pedophiles that were convicted. Why was her sentencing so light when even prosecutors were saying you should give this amount? And you're going to hear it. I'm going to play it all for you. So I'm not going to jump the gun. But I want to let you finish hearing what Senator Booker had to say in his 10 minutes of questioning to make sure that she was uh, prepared and qualified to be the next Supreme Court justice. When I first came to this place, I was the fourth black person ever popularly elected to the United States Senate. And I still remember a lot of mixed people, white folks, black folks work here. But at night, when people are in line to come in to clean this place, the the, the percentage of minorities shift a lot. And so I'm walking here, first week I'm here, and somebody who's been here for decades doing the urgent work. So I think he's alluding to the fact that the, the capital maintenance people, they may be racist against whites because he's saying that it's mainly minorities. I don't know. Let's continue of the Senate, but it's the unglamorous work that goes on no matter who's in offices. The guy comes up to me, and all he wants to say, I can tell is, I'm so happy you're here. But he comes up, and he can't get the words out. And this man, my elder, starts crying. And I, I just hugged him, and he just kept telling me, it is so good to see you here. It's so good to see you here. Thank- and listen, I get it. I said that from the beginning. I do get it. But that can't be the basis. You can feel those things and you can appreciate those things, but that can't be the basis of why we elect judges. It can't be the reason why somebody is going to sit on a bench for life to decide how we interpret our Constitution because she's black, because she's a female. And speaking of that, she couldn't even go on to identify what a female was or a woman, I should say. Now, again, I understand she's playing it close to the vest and trying to be careful here. But really, what is a woman? You can't come up with an answer for that. Listen to this. Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. (laughs) Now, what's funny is as this clip starts, she's literally scratching her head. So it's a real head scratcher for her. What is a woman? Of course, they're having this larger exchange, and I'll give you some more context on that uh, of of what a woman was in the context they were talking about, and you know how 
she was saying, well, I can't define what a woman is because there might be pending litigation on how we do that. But the senator was trying to say, look, are we going to redefine these gender roles to the point where actual women born that way, identify that way, legally are that way, are no longer considered women because we have to be so broad in, in opening up the definition of women? Again, that's my inference on the conversation that we're having. But her answer remains, no, no, I can't. I'm not a biologist. (laughs) I tell you, this one had me laughing. And obviously it had the Internet ablaze earlier in the week. I think this happened on Wednesday. So it it was just fascinating to me that a potential jurist wouldn't wouldn't do that. But again, in fairness, sometimes you catch people with simple questions off guard and they're on guard in a sense where they don't want to answer because they think this is a trap. It's a setup. Amy Coney Barrett was asked what the five freedoms of the First Amendment were, and she could only name four. And also in in a bit of a head scratcher where, you know, they ridiculed her saying, if you don't know all five of the First Amendment, how could you even be a Supreme Court judge? And it's interesting because I didn't know all five either until my daughter taught me a little song that she learned in her civics class that actually helped her remember them. So I think that's a fair assessment to say most people probably don't recall all five freedoms or not a song. I should say an acronym. It was called raps with two P's, right? Religion, assembly, press, petition, and speech raps, R-A-P-P-S. And I thought that was great, but raps, that's what helped her to understand it and remember it and to keep it in mind. So these mnemonics, if I know how to say that word, these mnemonics help kids to learn these things. And people made a big deal that um, Justice Amy Coney Barrett didn't know those things. But needless to say, I think anybody can get caught off guard quickly in a situation like that. And I think that's probably partially what happened to the judge here. But I think when they said, what is a woman? I think she was really not so much unprepared. That was the first part where she said, no, I can't. I'm not a biologist. I think it was really because she didn't want to be on the record saying, here's what a woman is. I am a woman because that's what Biden wanted to nominate, right? Because then somebody who's not uh, a biological woman might say, well, I was a black judge that, you know, is is transsexual and I thought I was going to get nominated and perhaps opening a can of worms she didn't want to open. But her drama didn't end there. It went on. There was a couple of more things that they talked about. And I want you to hear her exchange with Senator Ted Cruz and with Senator Josh Hawley. The Hawley one is interesting because he's incredulous over how she would give such a lenient sentence to somebody with such a egregious child pornography case. Listen to this. No one case, Senator, can stand in for a I'm not asking that. I'm asking if you regret this sentence in this case. And it sounds like the answer is no. But I want to tell you, I regret it. I regret that you gave him only three months. Let me read to you what you said about these kinds of cases, in fact, to this defendant. You said, make no mistake, Mr. Hawkins, the children you saw in those pictures were not willing participants in the conduct that you witnessed. They were being forced to commit unspeakable acts of sexual violence for the pleasure of the person who was filming and for the gratification of sick people everywhere, people who apparently have no shred of empathy for what this must be doing to the children who are being abused in this way. You go on. Some of the children you saw in those pictures will never never have an adult, a normal adult relationship. Some of them will turn to drugs and prostitution and other vices to try to deal emotionally with the pain that results from the torture that they have experienced. And even those who manage to lead a somewhat normal adult life say they live in constant fear of being recognized. 
Some people are even unable to leave their houses because once those pictures are on the internet, they are there forever. And the victims can't do anything without worrying that every person that they meet has seen them in their most vulnerable state at the most horrible time in their lives. That's your words, pages 34 and 35, the transcript. Powerful words, Judge. I just don't understand why after saying this and believing this, you could give this guy three months in prison when the probation office that we've heard so much about recommended 18 months. Even the probation office recommended 18 months. Do you have anything to add? No, Senator. No, Senator. That's it. That simple. At least, in in my opinion, she uh, looked somewhat contrite there. I don't know if she was just like, I want to fight with you, but I can't because I'm up for my Supreme Court nomination. Or if she was like, you know what, when you put it that way, there's no way I can dig myself out of this one. Or, no, Senator, I was... I was in a bad space that day and made the wrong choice or no senator. I don't know. I don't know what to make out of her. No senator. But I know she had nothing to add to that. And what he described was horrible. What he described was terrible. How is it that we allow this? But what got worse, what cleared up the no senator for me was how she defended her giving these lighter sentences by saying, well, you know, with the Internet, you have the ability to download you know, so many more child porn images. And it, in, in effect, I understood it to mean that she felt it was unfair to give somebody more penalty if they were downloading more photos. In the past, you'd have to download at, you know, the speed of AOL and that crazy downloading sound. You remember that sound. <laughs> So that was horrific. So she's trying to say that because that sound is no longer the standard that somehow you should get less time. I I would say, should we expect somebody with a six shot revolver to get the same amount as somebody with an automatic weapon that was modified to have a 30 round or a hundred round drum clip because it is so much easier to get bullets now and you can have these types of automatic weapons. It should be the same charge, right? You shouldn't add extra charges because they have the ability to shoot faster and there's extra bullets, right? Somehow, I think she wouldn't go for that. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. We're about to wrap this up, but not before we hear what one mom had to say about what's going on in these culture wars. Plus, one New Jersey town is going through uh, a back and forth about raising the LGBTQIA++ flag at a school. You don't want to miss this. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the five-star reviews. Thank you for sharing this with people through text, through inbox, through whatever direct message you use. Thank you. I know that the word's getting out because I meet people and they tell me, hey, somebody sent me your show. I had no idea. I loved it. So thank you for sharing it. If you're listening uh, on the air, thank you as well. Everybody on 1210 WPHT. Philly in the building. Now, right next to Philly, we've got Jersey, and Jersey's in the building under fire. There's this article that I saw on NJ.com, and parents are sick and tired, and so are school board members, because I think the school board is saying, look, we, we, we can't um, do this with everything. And what I mean by this is there's a uh, case that happened in, in uh, let's see where this was, it was in Passaic, where, here's the headline, students want to fly LGBTQ flag 
but the New Jersey school policy disallows it. Now, the headline is somewhat misleading because they're not saying you can't fly the flag because it's the gay flag. They're saying you can't fly the flag because they've passed a resolution on the school board saying we're only going to fly the flags of the United States of America and the state of New Jersey. That's it. Everything else doesn't get a shot at getting flown up the flagpole. So some Passaic High School students uh, are upset about this because of this hitch. The Passaic Board of Education recently enacted a policy that bans these flag displays. And the board is insisting that the ban on all ethnic flag raising wasn't meant to single out the LGBTQ community, but it was done in the spirit of fairness. So the school's gay straight alliance in the high school says the move smacks of discrimination and says it will continue to protest and they're going to continue doing what they do. Uh, Here's a quote from uh, Camila Perez. She says, I think it's unfair and it discriminates, quote unquote, uh, who herself was draped in the rainbow flag when she spoke to trustees at the school board meeting on Monday night. This is not last Monday, but the Monday before. And she says, it bothers me and it bothers the whole community. Perez is a freshman in high school, one of about a dozen students who uh, peppered trustees with questions, according to the article here. And she's saying, why now? Now, until November, there was no policy governing this, but they had made a change. So they're saying that the change was specifically against Pride Month. Now, I don't think that it has anything to do with Pride Month because they said all flags. And guess what? When I was a kid, the only flag that we ever flew was the American flag and the New York state flag. That was it. And then when I was in school in New Jersey, same thing with the Jersey flag. I didn't see any other flags go up. So what is the big deal? Well, the big deal is that people are always looking to make a big deal. And it's because this is not the case. This isn't really about just self-expression. This is about promoting an ideology. If you listen to this program, please listen to the last three, four, maybe five episodes where we've had this audio and the articles about teachers promoting this, about the the closet where people can come in dressed as one gender and switch their clothes in the closet. They're promoting and encouraging children to, to transition their gender. This is, I think, way beyond the pale. So when guys like Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida say, hey, we're going to stop that from happening, they say, oh, that's the don't say gay bill, which it doesn't say at all, as we discussed on this program. But there's parents that have had it up to here, and they're like, you know what? I'm not into it. And I've got a clip of two, uh, these are ethnic families, not from New Jersey per se, but on the internet that are saying, you know, what the bleep is going on? You've got a black mom, just for the sake of description, I'm going to describe her. And you've got uh, a black dad and his wife that are shopping for a children's book for their four-year-old and they're outraged. Listen to this. Bro, they getting out of hand, bro. I'm just trying to buy my baby some books, bro. Look at this shit. A is for Allie. B is for buy. C is for coming out. D is for drag. These are children books, guys. These are children books. ML Web, you're disrespectful, bro. My kids is just trying to learn, okay? His kids are just trying to learn. And he's not alone. We've got another mom and grandma that was uh, on Instagram making a very similar commentary saying, look, this does not belong in the classroom. And I don't think that's right. And it should be banned. Nobody should be talking to anybody's child about sexuality except their parents. And that's right. It ends there. We can't continue to use schools as a way to promote every social agenda that the Democrats or the far left or sometimes they're one and the same have. And we can't allow the teachers union to continue to do this because they've got the power. Teachers are more powerful than parents and they happen to be the parents kids. To me, it's an absolute outrage. And that's why I say you have to stand for something, because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's from Hamilton. Plus from Lord Acton.
The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So kudos to the school board in Passaic that stood up for this. Kudos to everybody that's doing the right thing to make sure that America is holding on to some of the goodness and holiness and and, uh, all things traditional that once were really good and worked out so well for the rest of us. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.